Hi, and welcome to the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. On today's show, we're going to be talking about sex workers' rights and New York's fight to decriminalize sex work. This is one of the most taboo conversations for us to be having as a society. Those are the words of the New York State Senator who is sponsoring the bill to decriminalize when she introduced the bill. Today, we're going to be speaking with Jared Trujillo. Jared is a steering committee member of Decrim and Why, a coalition of 30 groups to decriminalize, destigmatize, and deincarcerate sex work in New York. He's also president of the Association of Legal Aid Attorneys. Hi, Jared. How are you? Hey, Eric. I'm doing well. Thank you for having us on. Awesome. So, um, do you agree with that statement that this is one of the most taboo conversations for us to be having as a society? And what have the conversations been like within the queer community, within, um, you know, as you approach New York legislators and even engage sex workers about the fight to decriminalize? You know, I, I do agree with Senator Ramos that this is uh, one of the most taboo conversations to have, but it shouldn't be. You know, uh, sex work is often called the oldest profession in the world because it is. Uh, but what we're really talking about is, is elevating people. Um, is supporting people, supporting particularly trans women, often trans women of color, uh, supporting LGBTQ youth, uh, supporting Asian immigrants, uh, just supporting so many groups that are so marginalized um, and really lifting them up um, and and preventing, um, you know, not just uh, the harms that come from being arrested, the harms that come from being incarcerated, but also all the collateral consequences of that too, whether that has to do with immigration or housing or a whole host of other issues. It's really just about rec- uh, recognizing the humanity of this group of folks that have often uh, that have often been dehumanized and then lifting them up. Um, as far as how the conversation has gone in the queer community, quite frankly, a lot better than I thought it would, okay. um, which we're happy about, and that's how it should be. I mean, you know, this year, as we're about a month away from the 50th anniversary of Pride, and I think about the people who really, uh, you know, the people that led uh, the Stonewall riots and the people that really uh, enabled me and so many other queer and trans folks to have the rights that we have now, they were sex workers like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Um, I think, you know, this conversation is long overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people in the queer and trans committee uh, communities, uh, people that have had their bodies regulated by the government um, still now, uh, really get that this really is a human rights issue. This is really about empowering uh, real humans, many of which are members of our community. Right, and you place this within the context of the broader fight for queer liberation and um, you know LGBT equality, tying it to Stonewall. Um, what about within the broader labor movement? Um, you know, what are the ties of sex workers fighting for their rights to the broader fight for, you know, fair labor? Right. I mean, that's certainly something that Decrim NY stands for is, is really the simple proposition that sex work is work. Um, you know, it, it, it could be work because of choice. Um, sometimes it's work because of circumstances, particularly for a lot of LGBTQ youth um, who might do sex work because they're homeless and they have no other way to feed themselves or to have housing. Uh, for a lot of trans Latina women who are, are cut out of uh, the legal 
working a lot of legal economies uh, just because of discrimination based on race, based upon their orientation, uh, because of their immigration status. Um, and really it is about empowering workers. Uh, Decriminalize beyond just decriminalizing sex work, um, the empowerment piece is really making sure that there are protections for them so that they can work, so that they can work without harassment, um, and so that also they, they, they really have some sort of recourse um, you know, for their, uh, if there are unfair working conditions for them or, or unsafe working conditions for them. Yeah, and I feel like so much of the, um, the framing, even when progressives try to talk about these issues, involves a, a, a mischaracterization or assumption about sex workers being criminals or being um, victims. Um, how are you going about reframing um, the fight for criminal legal reform by setting these terms um, and helping progressives to use the language that mm -hmm. is empowering and recognize sex work as work. Right. I mean, quite frankly, it's been a struggle, um, particularly because a lot of people, as you said, uh, do see sex workers and trafficking victims uh, as the same person. Um, you know, they, they don't really see the distinction between the two. Now, Decrim NY, we want to elevate both groups. Right. Um, in fact, yesterday we were in Albany uh, lobbying, one, to repeal 240.37, walking while trans, mm -hmm. uh, luring for the purposes of prostitution, uh, which impacts sex workers, or sometimes, quite frankly, just women of color existing in public spaces. Right. Um, but And we were also uh, lobbying for a, a, an expanded vacature bill, uh, which would help um, sex trafficking victims get convictions that uh, weren't necessarily prostitution, but were a result of them being trafficked. So uh, there is a distinction there. Um, unfortunately, it, it's something that not everyone sees. But as far as what we've been doing for it is really just introducing uh, people to actual sex workers. Right. Um, you know, it, it's hard to deny someone's humanity when they're looking you in the face. Right. Um, Decrim and why we center actual sex workers in all of our work. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the steering committee are former sex workers. I am a, a former sex worker. Um, and it's really just showing, you know, people that people do, you know, electeds and the, uh, the broader community, that people do sex work for a variety of reasons, but they are people. Um, yeah. and, and they should be treated as such. We'll talk more about the legislation in a minute, but can you do? Can you talk a little bit about, can we define some of these things for people? Like when we're talking about sex work and sex workers, what, what is the, what are, what are we talking about? Um, and how is that separate from the conversation that happens around sex trafficking? Mm -hmm. um, can you separate those two things and give us and define them for us so that we're not so, draw, like blurring those lines? Totally, totally. So, I mean, they are distinguishable, but sometimes people can start off as sex workers and then end up being trafficked. Uh, there are a lot of people that, you know, are trafficked um, and then they, they end up being sex workers. When we're talking about sex work and we're talking about decriminalizing sex work, what we're talking about is consensual sexual acts between two adults. Mm -hmm. So uh, without going too deep into the weeds of the legislation, we're, we're not talking about... Uh, decriminalizing sex trafficking, uh, we're not talking, you know, where, where someone is coerced mm -hmm. uh, into selling sex or to trading sex, uh, we're not talking about um, anything to do with minors at all, we're just talking about sensual, uh, sorry, consensual mm -hmm. sexual acts between two adults. That's what, we, that's what we mean when we say sex work. 
Got it. And so can you tell us, you mentioned that you center sex workers in the conversation that it's really been. Community education in this particular instance is so important. Um, can you give us like a story or two about uh, people who you've lifted up at your rallies or brought to some of these legislative meetings um, that could help our listeners better understand the, the people that we're talking about, particularly the most marginalized members of our community, mm-hmm. trans women of color, are particularly um, harmed and stigmatized by policing, um, but maybe by telling a couple of those stories for us. Of course. Uh, so <clears throat> I mentioned Sylvia Rivera before, but uh, in, in line with Sylvia Rivera, one of my other heroes, Cecilia Gentili, uh, who is a steering committee, one of the founding steering committee members of DecrimNY, um, who really does a lot of her lobbying. Uh, Cecilia is from Argentina. Uh, when she came here, she didn't have any other way of really supporting herself but to do sex work. Um, as, a lot, you know, as a Latina immigrant, she was left out of, uh, out of, a, lot of um, a lot of jobs. Um, within that, she was harassed by police several times. Um, her and other folks have been sexually assaulted by police officers. Um, and, and really, it, it's just... She lived a reality where she never really felt safe. She had no other, you know, initially anyway, she had no other means of supporting herself but to do sex work. But doing sex work was inherently dangerous, not even because of some of the dangers that come from doing sex work, but because of the stigma and the criminalization around it. Um, so again, the interactions with the police officers mainly. Um, there's another woman on the steering committee, uh, Jessica Raven, who also one of my heroes, um, who was in foster care, left foster care when she was about 15 or so, and then she started to engage in sex work um, a little bit after that, mainly for housing, uh, for a place to stay, um, you know, over, overnight, uh, for food, uh, just really, again, for a lot of the necessaries of life. And then there's other members who, um, who do sex work that isn't criminalized, um, people that, uh, you know, have, have uh, been exotic dancers before, uh, people that have done pornography, uh, parts of sex work that aren't criminalized, but because of the stigma against them, uh, there, there are just so many barriers to true worker protection in those areas as well. You mentioned walking while trans. Um, can you talk about how even members of the trans community um, are targeted by criminalization, um, even if they may not be sex workers at all? Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the bills that we're hoping uh, passes this legislative session, uh, which I think would be so powerful, uh, you know, right before the 50th anniversary of, of Stonewall, is a, a repeal to 24037 of the penal law, walking while trans. Um, uh, again, the way that this law is enforced is... This is like loitering for the purposes of prostitution. Right, exactly. Sorry. Um, you know, again, it's really... Oftentimes, women of color, 94%, at least in New York, of the arrests for this are women of color. And it's oftentimes, uh, a lot of them are trans, and they're just humans with the audacity to 90, exist. What is it, 94%? 94% of the arrests for loitering for the purpose of prostitution are um, women of color. Um, it is, it's an incredibly racist law. Mm-hmm. It's often incredibly transphobic. Um, in, in, uh, in who's enforced it against. And again, it's really just people existing in public often. Um, we had one of my, when I was um, an active public defender, 
one of my colleagues represented someone who was arrested for simply wearing like hot pants, mm -hmm. uh, black hot pants. I quite frankly, like I wore similar pants on Halloween. Because it is a crime involving moral turpitude, mm -hmm. um, it makes someone deportable. It makes it more difficult for someone to potentially, uh, it makes it more difficult for someone to adjust their immigration status. Um, even if this person isn't incarcerated, the trauma of the arrest, the trauma from that interaction with that police officer, um, it, it really beats people down. It really does. What do you tell people who say, you know, I'm a, an advocate of criminal justice reform, but are leaving um, sex work out of the conversation? How do you tell people that they can't have that conversation about criminal justice reform if they're scared of talking about this issue? A lot of it's just reframing who enters a criminal justice system and why. Mm -hmm. um, I think that women are often ignored. Uh, how they enter the criminal justice system is often ignored. Um, this is a year in New York where there have been a lot of tremendous criminal justice reforms, and I, I tend to think there will be even more uh, before the end of the session. But if you're not addressing this, you, you're really not addressing criminal justice reform. Um, and I will say that pro that, that prostitution-related offenses um, the difference between these and other offenses is even if you are not incarcerated for a long period of time, there's still real trauma. Uh, recently, uh, Assemblyman Court, uh, Senator Ramos, uh, Richie Torres up in the Bronx, and Assemblymember uh, Ron Kim issued a letter to the Department of Investigation uh, asking that they investigate NYPD Vice. Uh, because and how they arrest and how they interact with sex workers because of all the harms and trauma that have happened to a lot of a lot of incredibly marginalized communities uh, due to NYPD vice and, and that just goes to the true harm of the arrest of itself the true harm from, from these communities that are all that already have really adverse interactions with police officers the real harm of even just that interaction even just that arrest even just that police officer um, going up to them and putting them at true fear for an arrest or you know the potential consequences that come with that right and and again we're talking about this in terms of if if we treat sex work as work we're talking about people should be sex workers should be protected by police should have protection uh, in the workplace right and that's what we we want to fight to make sure sex work sex workers are safe absolutely I mean in I believe it's in New Zealand uh, sex workers been decriminalized for the most part in New Zealand um, there was a sex worker who was who had started to engage in consensual sex with someone and then he took off the condom and he proceeded to rape her. Um, they pre-negotiated the condom. He took it off, proceeded to rape her. And she was able to go to a police officer to, right. to report that. In New York, there's no way that that could happen. Right. As, as a former public defender, um, there's no way that I could have told one of my clients to go to a police officer to report that without them putting themselves at, at real risk or, quite frankly, not being taken seriously because of the stigma that surrounds sex work. What about the, um, we've all, maybe we've all heard of um, uh, condoms being used as evidence in some of these um, proceedings? Is that still going on? That is, it doesn't. A lot of the DA's offices um, have stopped uh, using them as evidence. However, there still needs to be a legislative fix. And hopefully uh, there will be that fix this session.
So what do you say to legislators who are concerned about sex trafficking, um, who fear that decriminalization is going to somehow put trafficking victims at, at risk and let traffickers go unpunished? Right. And, and I hear you. Um, Decrim-NY is certainly not pro-trafficking. And one of the reasons that we want to decriminalize sex work um, is to help people that are trafficked, um, is to really empower people that are trafficked but in, in a couple of different ways. One way is if it's not criminalized and if there isn't that stigma around it, uh, people that are trafficked, are actively being trafficked, can actually go to get help without, mm -hmm. without fear of legal consequences with, uh, from, you know, uh, from admitting that they've engaged in, in the sex trade. Um, also, just one of the asks of Decrim-NY uh, is to repurpose some amount of money from NYPD Vice and put it into non-arrest services for sex workers. So, you know, you look at the reason why people engage in sex work, and it could be because of a lack of housing, because of a lack of, of, um, of uh, jobs, it, it just for a, for a variety of different reasons, um, or sometimes just because that's what someone wants to do. But at least by, by giving someone the tools so that they don't have to do that, mm -hmm. um, it's empowering. And then if someone wants to leave sex work, they can. One thing that comes to mind is, are you getting, um, what kind of responses are you getting from, um, from prosecutors, from district attorney's offices, from those who enforce um, these, the statutes, how are they being advocates or? So it's been mixed. Okay. Um, in the Queens DA race right now, uh, Tiffany Caban has come out, uh, who's a queer Latina woman, um, had, and a former public defender and former ALA member. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, and just a great person. Uh, she has come out, uh, in favor of full decriminalization. Um, I know that Rory Lansman, uh, he's, I don't think he's quite at full decrim yet, uh, but I am hopeful. And he certainly has always been willing to have the conversation and willing to listen, as, as have a lot of the other uh, Queens DA candidates. Uh, members of Decrim NY have certainly asked them about it at every opportunity possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with education, with them meeting people, I think that a lot of them are coming around. Um, in Brooklyn, I did do a panel last month, I believe, with D.A. Gonzalez, uh, at which point he said that he supported decriminalizing sex work um, in, in Brooklyn. During the panel? During the panel, he said, he said that. Now, I, I don't know exactly what he means when he says full, when he says decriminalize. It seems as if recently, instead of fully decriminalizing sex work, which means um, the purchase and sale of sex work, now he's, I, I believe his new position is to only decriminalize this, the, um, the sale of sex work, not the purchase. Problem with that is that there's no real way to decriminalize the sale um, while still criminalizing the purchase. This is like that Nordic model that right. we've heard about, right? Exactly, which is incredibly damaging and actually pushes sex work even further underground and makes it more difficult to negotiate things like condom use and, and, and a lot of the safety precautions that sex workers employ. Um, he has invited us to a discussion, um, and I, I look forward to that. I, I hope that it happens. He seems sincere, uh, and I hope that once he meets some sex workers and we can, you know, really show him and demonstrate how harmful the Nordic model is, I'm hopeful that he'll come around. Cy Vance, happy to have the conversation. <laughs> you talked about, um, we talked a little bit about the walking while trans bill. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But you also mentioned the other bill, which involves those who allows for trafficking survivors to have their records cleared of any charges that are connected with the trafficking and not just the uh, prostitution-related charges. Can you describe what that legislation would do and why it's so important? Right. So a lot of times when people are trafficked, it's they're trafficked for the purpose of sex, but they're oftentimes forced to do other things that are illegal that give them records. So whether that's, you know, has to do with drugs, whether that has to do with stealing something, just a, a broad list of, of illegal acts uh, that people sometimes are forced to commit because they're being trafficked. Uh, currently, there is a vacature statute in New York uh, that will get rid of the, the prostitution-related offenses, but those other offenses have real impacts on people's lives, too. So if this vacature bill passes, um, it really it gives people a second chance. It gives people a clean record. It gives people the ability uh, to not be to not be burdened uh, by these criminal convictions for acts that they didn't even voluntarily do. Right. And are these two bills proceeding kind of like in tandem, or um, are they off on separate tracks? Is and and can you just give us a little <laughs> bit of a realistic picture of how long is would it take to pass these two particular bills? And how long until we have full decriminalization? And beyond that, how long do we have before we're actually lifting up, um, Mm -hmm. you know, empowering a labor movement that actually strengthens and makes this um, work safe? Right. I mean, I do think that I wouldn't say that the vacature bill and the... um, Walking while trans bill are, are moving in tandem, but I do think that they will both pass a session. Um, I really do, and again, that's because this legislature has said that they prioritize, well, queer rights, certainly with a passing agenda, uh, and also criminal justice. And this is the this is a combination of both. So if this legislature is is serious about that, I don't see how you can't pass both of these bills a session. Um, as far as full decrim, uh, the bill will be introduced this session. I'm certainly hoping that it passes this session, but yeah. I, you know, I'm also, uh, you know, living in the real world. So it might take a while. Um, it's probably going to take some more community education. It's going to take a lot more conversations like this and mm-hmm. other conversations. Um, and it, it's really just going to take people, quite frankly, like getting to know sex workers and seeing that we're human and, you know, that we deserve to be safe just like everyone else. As far as when can we really start lifting up sex workers, I, I don't see why we can't do that today. You know, just as far as we, we have certain city asks as far as services for sex workers to really lift those people up. Um, you know, decrim is necessary, without a doubt, but there's no reason that we can't start doing that today. And quite frankly, there's a lot of really great groups out there like Womankind and the Sex Workers Project, Anti-Violence Project, that are already doing a lot of that work. And um, what advice would you give to people who are listening to this who may have been persuaded by the conversation that we're having and want to get involved in some way and be an ally and an advocate? Um, What are some of the first steps that they can take? And if they want to go all in on this issue, what would you tell them to do? I would say the first thing to do is listen. Um, If you're not a sex worker in particular, um, we definitely want you. Uh, We definitely want you involved in 
you know, you can definitely help out in the movement, but just make sure that you're leaving space for not just sex workers, but quite frankly, the people that are the most impacted. Uh, so trans women of color uh, in particular, uh, amongst a lot of other groups. Um, definitely go to Decrim NY's website. Um, we're accepting donations so we can really lift up individual sex workers and, and try to get them lobbying with us and, and really just empowering them so they can actually be part of the movement. Uh, so it's not just a whole bunch of privileged folks telling everyone else, you know, um, telling their stories, but they, so they can tell their stories themselves. Mm -hmm. um, talk to your legislators. Um, a lot of electeds that I've spoken to have worried about community backlash if they if they back you know the full decrim bill certainly, mm -hmm. but sometimes even the loitering bill. Um, let your electeds know that this is a priority. Let your electeds know that lifting these folks up is important. Let these electeds know that you can't really be pro queer. You can't be pro trans unless you lift up the most marginalized members of those communities, and oftentimes those people are sex workers. And this, and this loitering statute has been used throughout history to police and harm members of our community. Isn't Absolutely. that right? We should have a connection to how this law has been misused to criminalize queer people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I wanted to also talk with you before you leave. You're also the president of the Association of Legal Aid Attorneys. Um, and I wanted, as we're talking about criminal justice reform, um, we have to talk about um, legal aid attorneys and other folks who are in criminal defense work and um, the need to pay them yeah. well and support them um, because if you care about justice, you have to care about those who are charged with defending them, and we have to pay them, pay them a fair wage. Talk to us about the movement to try to get some economic fairness and justice for, um, for people who are in criminal legal defense. Right, so first off, thank you. Um, you know, so we do, uh, with the, at the Association of Legal Aid Attorneys, we represent not just legal aid, but also neighborhood defenders, uh, the federal defenders, CAMBA, um, Orange County, uh, Nassau County, and Youth Represent. And so uh, we do do criminal defense, but our members are also uh, civil, civil, sure. yeah, civil, immigration lawyers, housing lawyers, uh, juvenile rights lawyers, so they represent kids, um, and also parents, uh, parent attorneys. At Legal Aid in particular, our salaries start off $10,000 lower than what the ADA salaries start at, than what the city law department salaries are at. Um, after about 10 years, that $10,000 grows to about $18,000. And we don't have real defined benefits pensions like they do. So what that means is that people are, because they just cannot afford to stay at legal aid, that means that about half of my, of my members have second jobs. I mean, I also teach and I was bartending for, for uh, when I first started working there. And it's just, it's so stressful that after 10 years, 48% of our membership leaves. And it deprives low-income New Yorkers of talented and experienced representation. And in almost all of our practices, our, our clients are um, disproportionately LGBTQ and certainly uh, mostly people of color. Um, 
And again, New York State has really prioritized so many of our client issues. But if you're not giving the lawyers, you know, the compensation that they need to stay doing jobs that they love, then no one went to like no one goes to legal aid to get rich. Right. But just to be able to like have kids or go on vacation. Um, well, and there's law school debt. Right. Everybody should recognize that people come out of law school with a lot of debt. The federal for, forgiveness program is really not working. About right. 3% of folks actually end up having some kind of loan forgiveness. Right. Um, and even the DAs, quite frankly, uh, they might be our adversaries, but they're also paid less than what attorneys in the city law department do. Yeah. Um, it, it's really, we've, the city council has shown some support for pay parity, which we definitely appreciate. I hope that the mayor's office will champion that as well, uh, because quite frankly, our people are leaving in droves um, and it's hurting our clients. Wow, and the caseload? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> How did you have time to talk to me today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't, I don't practice anymore, that's why, but um, wow. yeah, it's, I mean, our cases, our caseloads are crazy um, and they only get harder when people leave. In the criminal practice, we lose about nine people a month. Mm -hmm. um, Attrition rates are particularly high amongst attorneys of color. Um, a lot of those attorneys of color are also queer. And it, you know, when someone leaves, the rest of the office has to absorb their cases. And people aren't leaving for you know, fancy uh, big law jobs because they, they are people that want to work in the public interest. They're you know, going across the hall uh, to work for the city law department because it's enough to at least be able to, to sustain a family and yourself in New York City. Well, thank you for the work that you do, and thank you for helping to educate our listeners on this important topic. Um, and if, if folks want to call their legislators, do we have a list on Decrim and Why of supportive legislative folks and the ones that we need to go after? Uh, so supportive, um, we don't so much have a list. I, we don't have a list necessarily, but if you dig around our social media, you can find them. So regardless, um, just call. Yeah, just Who call. Who cares? Give them a call. If they're call. supportive, they can tell you. Exactly. If they're supportive, tell them thank you. If they're not right. supportive, ask why they're not. That's excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jared. I really appreciate this conversation today. Thank you.